scared of you motherfuckers. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness. And I'm blessed. You don't understand. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. The pre-roll for today is mind your own uterus. Hi, everyone. So um, with Roe versus Wade, you know, being like the hot topic now um, in in the news, um, we wanted to have another episode on women's reproductive health. Um, So we brought an old guest back today, Dr. Cheyenne Brown. Don't forget the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, before we kind of get into the questions, we just kind of wanted to, you know, talk about what our perspective is with what's going on with Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. So I guess like, Shai, do you want to start just kind of talk about what your opinion is? Yeah, thanks for having me back, guys. I had a lot of fun last time. Um, Yeah, Roe versus Wade, you know, typical white men Mm -hmm. trying to tell us what to do with our bodies what else mm-hmm. what else is there to discuss right <laughs> right <laughs> i think the funniest thing is i saw um justice clarence thomas i didn't even want to put justice before his name but i just wanted to you know indicate that he is on the supreme court that's yeah. literally it but um, <laughs> he had like been quoted as saying that he feels that with the draft leaking it's it's making um people have a distrust in the institution what? and i'm thinking it's not no. Oh, nobody <laughs> fucked with Clarence Thomas for a while. <laughs> like, it didn't right. have nothing to do with this draft leaking. And I'm happy that draft leaked because honestly, yeah. truly, the fact that they're even thinking about overturning Roe versus Wade is wild to me. Like, it's been proven historically that when you take away abortions legality it does not make people stop having abortions it's not it gonna be safe anymore <laughs> yes yeah. then Very you have nice. women doing things like going to like back rooms or whatever yep. or trying to google stuff and taking columbia or something yeah or doing something i mean like not to say like they have that you know what <laughs> i was thinking about that and i i don't really believe that it's gonna go back to those extreme mm-hmm. measures like the coat hangers and things like that mm-hmm. but what i believe will start happening is that you're gonna have physicians who are against overturning Roe v. Wade that are going to find themselves getting into trouble for oh, that's true. trying yeah. to safely help people in the background, you know, and I think yeah. that's going to, you're going to see a lot of that, that, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because yeah. I was yeah. also seeing a lot of states have codified protection against abortion. So like, for instance, like Maryland, even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion will still be legal in like Maryland. It'll still be yep. legal in Jersey. It will still be yep. legal in New York and California. But yep. the states that are impacted are damn near the entire South. <laughs> like yeah. Texas, Florida, yes. Alabama, yep. Georgia, Mississippi. Yep. Like all those states do not yeah. have anything codified in their state laws to protect abortion. So yep. that to, to me is like another scary aspect of it is that you're going to have people trying to travel who potentially don't even have the means to get there safely to get these procedures. And it's just going to be like a mess. And then you're doing something like this and you're not putting in place other things to help people properly, like prevent pregnancies in positions to avoid unwanted pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, you're not putting other things in the system in place to help Mm -hmm. people when they do have the pregnancies that they 
probably didn't want or mm-hmm. would have tried to avoid because of financial problems. Now mm-hmm. they can't get any help. So exactly. what, what are you going to do? Now you're forcing them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like if you're against abortion, then don't get an abortion. But let other people do what, do they, what want. The they want with <laughs> like, their own bodies. Like, come it. on. I just can't under, I, I don't understand it. I don't see where the disconnect is. Because I'm like, again, like you could think it's rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a general rule of thumb for everything i believe is yes. it like, just don't be in other people's business yes <laughs> do what they want to do and you mind your business over here thank you especially thank if you're you. not out here adopting babies then <laughs> like so you want this kid to get here so bad for what yeah yeah and <laughs> i was hearing people talk about oh well you could just have the baby and then put them up for adoption and it's like well the adoption system is bad too from you know from people yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. like come on you can't honestly you can't make these decisions for other people why Mm -hmm. like does that even it just doesn't make sense nope none at all (sighs) people are starting control exactly but okay so um you know as i said at the beginning we are going to be talking about women's reproductive health um you know in the black community for women for black women you know we can't we suffer from a number of things um and so i wanted to start off with um talking about pcos um so what is pcos and what do those symptoms look like So let me give my little disclaimer before we keep going that, you know, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. (laughs) Any information that we discuss here, it should not replace the advice of your medical professional that you have a relationship with. So um, neither myself nor the Blunt Truths podcast are liable for any risks (laughs) you, you incur, you know, misusing the information we have stated here today okay yes doctor right yes (laughs) thank you so pcos so it stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome and so like syndrome means there's like a wide range of like symptoms and things that can be going on Mm -hmm. so you what was the question what is pcos and and what do those symptoms look like right so Mm -hmm. um it's usually caused, it's caused by an imbalance of hormones. So there's usually an excess of androgens, which are usually considered more male uh, hormones. So like testosterone and other mm-hmm. types of forms of testosterone. Mm-hmm. So what that does is usually you'll see women have a lot of um, hair growth in like yeah. a male pattern way. Yeah. So under the chin and on the face and chest hair. Mm-hmm excessive um, armpit and pubic hair um, and hair on their back, different things like that. So that's called hirsutism. And then you can also also have a a female pattern hair loss. So bald spots, you know, bald in in different places. And then it also leads to insulin resistance. So a lot of women will have weight gain and difficulty losing weight Mm -hmm. and that can also lead to um, diabetes in the long term and increased risk for heart disease Um, and so the polycystic part your ovaries will develop these fluid fill sacs and like multiple sacs on one or or either of the ovaries it's not like you don't always have that happening but it's it's part of it okay and um what else other things you can see like dark underarms, darkness around your neck and um, under your breasts. These are all signs of insulin resistance, which can usually point back 
to uh, PCOS. Okay. And in general, the most common symptom is uh, some irregularity to their period. So okay. where they don't see a period for months at a time and then it just comes back and then gone, it's gone again. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that you can see. Okay. And so does PCOS come with fertility issues? Yeah, definitely. So because of the, the hormone imbalance, so one of the other things is that there's an excess of estrogen, which mm -hmm. um, for our menstrual cycles to work the way they do, a normal menstrual cycle comes with like a, a balance of an up and down of estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. So estrogen will spike, come back down, progesterone will spike and you have ovulation. Mm -hmm. So if you have a, a continuous high level of estrogen, then it's not giving you that up and down balance that's needed for ovulation to occur where you, your ovaries release an egg. Mm -hmm. So then you won't be able to get pregnant as easily if you're not having that like cyclical occurrence, right? Yeah. So that makes it difficult for women with PCOS to um, get pregnant but it's not impossible because mm -hmm. I know a, a few people um, who have multiple children and have been dealing with PCOS for a long time. So it's just a matter of talking with your physician and talk, working out the plan for you because not everyone is trying to have children. So if you have PCOS, your goals might be different for whether you're trying to conceive or not. So. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay, so we're gonna kind of move over to fibroids, which you know that that topic is a little sensitive for me, right? Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I have I've never really shared with uh, other people outside of like our friends group um, about me having fibroids. So, um, what? Let, let's start with what are the different types of fibroids and what types of symptoms come with that? Yeah, so a fibroid is a is a tumor. But, you know, you have to be careful when you say tumor to yeah. non-medical people because they automatically think, <laughs> think cancer. cancer. <laughs> but tumor is, <laughs> yeah, so tumor is just an overgrowth of, the, of a tissue, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in this case, a fibroid is an overgrowth of normal tissue within your uterus. There's, a la there's different layers to the wall of the uterus. The myometrium layer mm -hmm. is what usually gets overgrown. Um, and this is a muscular layer. So the fibroids different types are based off of their location okay. in the uterus right mm -hmm. so there's submucosal which is on your innermost layer of your uterus and that one can usually those will usually bulge into the uterine cavity right mm -hmm. then you have intramural which are kind of confined to the wall but if they get big enough they can also cause the uterine shape to be distorted and irregular can bulge in as well right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have a subserosal, which is more on the outer, towards the outer area. And um, then you have pedunculated, meaning they're like on a, a, a stalk and they can kind of swing mm -hmm. or, you know, they, they have a, the tendency to swing. So they can, those can be outside or inside mm -hmm. of the uterus. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those are the types. different kinds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what are some of the symptoms that come with having the different... Um, yeah. So um, the most common symptoms is to have heavy menstrual bleeding yep. and also like irregular bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, you can also have um, pain depending on how large they are, a feeling of like bloating or heaviness in your pelvic area. 
um, or, or in your pelvic floor. You can have pain with sex, depending on how um, large they are, frequency for like using the bathroom, urination. But all of those symptoms depend on the size. So I have a, a family friend. She uh, is in her 50s recently. She's small frame, tiny, would never have known. She just had a hysterectomy because they realized that one of her fibroids were so big, it was compressing on her hips. And so wow. she was having hip pain. Wow. And From her the fibroid. They thought she had sciatica and all that stuff. And then they realized it was the fibroids wow. that were, it had gotten so big. And so when they did her hysterectomy, it was like an eight pound uterus. That's that they crazy. Took out. And yeah, wow. that's, and now she's getting relief from all the other. Yeah. So you can have back pain, hip pain, you know, depending on how big they are and where they're compressing on. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, Like for me, um, like when I got mine removed, it just helped with the relief of it, like on multiple things, right? Like the, my cycle was um, changed. Like I was very anemic. <laughs> and so that helped because the fibroids basically feed off of the blood, right? Like, or mm -hmm. I guess you, you can help me out shy with this. But <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> like, vascular. They, they get, they'll generate uh, their own blood supply from your uterus. Yes. So the, yeah. If you, so. you're, if you take them out, then you've like lost um a lot of blood too from those mm -hmm. surgeries mm -hmm. yeah wow I didn't even know that part yeah, okay crazy. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on removing fibroids surgically versus like holistically through like a diet change or you know supplement so, I you know and I told you guys last time I'm down for all the holistic approaches mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you know the trouble with like um how they teach medical students and doc how they train doctors is that they don't really push the the holistic approach um, in terms of options for treatment. Mm -hmm. So I honestly am not as educated on all of the holistic things, but I know that I see that you know there are different diets and different herbal uh, options that you can try. Mm -hmm. um, I would say. It all depends, right? Yeah. If you, I think you should see what what you're looking at. If you have fibroids, and talk to your doctor and see what kind of fibroids do I have? How big are they? Because they can do an ultrasound and measure them without you know you having to do a surgery. Mm -hmm. And so if you know you can look and see whether this is something that can potentially be managed, you know, because you don't have to remove fibroids, mm -hmm. right? Um, not everyone's fibroids grow really fast and really big and cause problems. So you just have to assess what your personal situation looks like. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's probably better to look into the dietary changes and, and you know, exercise and the, whatever the things that you can do while, you know, deciding what kind of treatment might be best for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's my take on it. But you know, a lot of the, you know, modern medicine is going to push surgery. Um, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I, I, I have surgery in my heart, right? I want to cut too, but you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not always the, the, the best or the first solution that should be taken. So it's, it's not a bad idea to consider the holistic options first. Right. Right. So why do you think um, more black women are susceptible to fibroids? systemic racism you know um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
and I say that in a general, but let me break it down, right? Mm -hmm. When when you look at what the what the research is telling us that makes black women more at risk for fibroids, it's the diet, yeah. the psychosocial stresses, yeah. um, a lack of exercise, a lack of vitamin D. Um, mm. All of those things, I believe, go back to something systemic, right? Yeah. You're not, you don't have a lot of money. You're not going to be following the most healthy diet, right? You're going to eat yeah. what you can. Yeah. Um, you need to work in three jobs. You don't have time to be exercising the way you should. You're not spending time sunbathing and enjoying the, the sun <laughs> and the beach, right? You're, yeah. um, and, and we have our own misconceptions about sun exposure as a people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the stress, right? Those are all the things that they say are that make black women more susceptible to to um, to fibroids. And then I saw something. Of course, there's you know obesity, um, alcohol consumption, smoking. Mm -hmm. But I saw something that they were still researching the effects of uh, hair relaxers. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Um, the chemicals that were in that on um. Uh, affecting some of our hormone levels over time so who knows right yeah. <laughs> how many of us have had a relaxer at some point in our life yeah. for yeah. years right yeah so, who knows but yeah systemic systemic racism is is my answer <laughs> I, believe, I believe that yeah <laughs> me too me too okay so can fibroids come with fertility issues so yes um, it can come, it can make things difficult. Uh, so we talked about the different types and where, the, you know, based off of location. So that's what comes into play. Yeah. Um, more so if they're the ones that are in the uterine cavity, um, will, will start to, if you're, you, you know, you fertilize an egg and the egg gets implanted within the uterus and there's a fibroid there. Fibroids are usually, um, they feed off of estrogen and when you're pregnant, the estrogen levels are, are high. Mm -hmm. So the more estrogen, the bigger the uterus is growing, the bigger the fetus is growing, the bigger the fibroid is growing too. So mm -hmm. the problems that you can find there are that the fibroid could get too big and cause like growth restriction on the fetus. Mm -hmm. um, but in the first place, before we even get there, you could have trouble with the the fetus implanting into the wall if there's too many fibroids taking up space then it doesn't make for a proper environment for the you know the embryo to implant mm -hmm. or if you have very large fibroids and now your your uterus itself is disfigured that you know all of those things can come into play but again i know um i have a a, a cousin that's 21 now and when my aunt was pregnant with him she had fibroids within her uterus and they grew right along beside him and he's fine. <laughs> he's fine, yes. He's fine, you know, and other people who it's, you know, what they'll do is monitor you during the pregnancy. You'll probably end up with a, a second uh, OB specialist to make sure that things are going okay. And then, you know, in the, from the beginning to the end, you know, watching yeah. how it's growing and, you know, if things are trouble for the fetus. Yeah. So. My mom said that she had fibroids um, with me, but like, like how you just explained, mine were in my uterine cavity and 
because they said that it would be hard when I did want to start getting pregnant that, you know, the implant, like the baby implanting, I'm like, okay, well, remove them holes because <laughs> we need space and opportunity in this. So yeah. You know saying, so. My sister didn't even find out she had fibroids until after she was pregnant. And then oh, in wow. doing the ultrasounds and stuff to, you know, check on like my niece when she was mm-hmm. a little fetus, they discovered like, oh yeah, girl, you got fibroids. And she literally never heard that in her life. And she wow. regularly get her well woman exams and everything. Mm-hmm. And, but I mean, who knows, maybe like you said, you know, they grow off of they feed off of estrogen. So maybe they got bigger to the point they were more noticeable when she was pregnant, but she literally never knew that she had fibroids until, until she was pregnant. And and the fibroids can shrink, you know, like I've known people who've gone one year and they tell them, Oh, we see a fibroid. And then next like two years, it's nothing there, you know? And then there are different ways to remove the fibroids without completely taking away your chances of fertility like mm-hmm. the myomectomy mm-hmm. and you know all of those things comes with come with their own risks but you know there are different options out there and you don't even have to touch them at all depending on where they are yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so are there any are there any things that can be done to increase or decrease fertility so that mm, that is a little tricky (laughs) you know I I know uh, this is the first time I've thought about like decreasing fertility Mm -hmm. but you know of course it makes sense you you know you don't want to have children and you want to you know do that I I really don't know the answer to that one I I really can't say um there you know of course there are there's birth control right there are long-term birth controls that you can use you have the arm implant the IUDs um, pills and whatever, those are all things that are going to, um, decrease your fertility by adjust, like affecting your hormone levels. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, except the copper IUD, which is not, um, Mm non-hormonal, but all of those things are not 100% guaranteed to not get you pregnant. (laughs) Okay. Right. They're, they're, you know, very high percentages in the nineties, close to a hundred, but not a hundred percent. Um, but to, you know, then there's always, you know, abstinence, but <laughs> <laughs> that's no fun. Let's, let's be realistic here. Um, but you know, to increase your fertility, I would say to start with establishing a proper relationship with an OB-GYN doctor, um, make sure that you're you're keeping up with your annual visits and that you are able to know what your um, uterine health looks like and you know be able to to assess what you know what issues you may or may not have and what things you could do to prepare and, and it depends on whether you're looking to conceive you know at what time frame we're looking at so you know it's encouraged that, women of reproductive age can start taking prenatal uh, vitamins just to, that's more of a precaution for if you do get pregnant and you don't know then you're providing the necessary b vitamins that are needed for brain and um neurodevelopment mm-hmm. for the fetus so that's one thing and there's some women who are prone to being deficient in some of those vitamins anyway so that's like one of those things and just keeping your overall health you know staying on top of that is is one of the best ways to do that 
of course, there are probably some, you know, holistic things that people use, you know, to make them more <laughs> fertile, but I don't, I can't really speak <laughs> on those specifically, but, you know, do, do your research, but yeah. Okay. Um, so kind of in that same vein of fertility, what are the various options for women who want to get pregnant without a partner? Mm-hmm. So yeah, times have changed. And um, sure you guys know that I also have a podcast with my friend Candy that these mm-hmm. two girls podcast. And we did an episode about this, you know, where we talked about all the different ways that you can get pregnant. So there are, um, of course, you know, we have the traditional in vitro fertilizations, you can go get a, a donor um, from somewhere and you can so in general, the donor thing is really popular right now, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you can, traditionally some women, depending on what the issue is, or, or not, is, maybe there's no issue. Some people have issues with getting pregnant and they might need, you know, more clinical help getting their eggs out, fertilizing it, and then implanting it. The, that's, you know, more severe things. But mm-hmm. for women who are just kind of, you know, we're out here and we're like, okay, want to have, have a kid. And um, also, you know, other couples who may not be able to get pregnant. There's so many options out there. So there are like apps online where you can go in and you'll find a plethora of different people there. There are people looking to donate sperm. There are people looking to be surrogates. There are people looking to Mm co-parent, right? And so you can meet you, you you can meet these people establish a relationship discuss you know all the different terms if you're just looking for a donor then you can all the the information is provided um and it, those websites can go from like even just like a call it like a, a tinder type yeah that's what i was thinking yeah you can have that to more um more complex where a company is kind of running the show and, you know, being the middle person with you mm-hmm. for getting a donor and on all those other things. So there's so many ways. And I think it's so great. Um, Cause they'll send you, if you decided to get a, a donor sperm, you can get information about this person. You can get information about their health status and their history. The company will ship you um, the specimen with instructions on how to preserve it and how to use it when the time comes and I mean I think this is great you know um and if and then you know uh, I've I've told Ashley before like you know find a friend you know know. that that (laughs) are um you know they're look you and them have similar goals right you you want to co-parent and you know Mm -hmm. with you know, the embracing of different types of households and families and relationship types. This, I think it's a good option to just discuss with the people around you. Like, okay, what are your goals? You might have uh, a gay couple friends and they are looking for someone to, they want a child too. Mm -hmm. And you're single and you're like, hey, let's co-parent, you know, let's do this so you never know there's just so many options out there um I think I think one of them one of those websites is called like just a baby or something like that 
Let me write this Just a baby. Just a baby. Just a baby. Yeah. You know, like, I'm just looking for a baby. That's it. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Good. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was my turn. So <laughs> what are the various options for someone? So on the flip side, that doesn't want to be pregnant. Yeah, that one was kind of along the same lines as the decreased fertility. I, I really don't know. Um, again, the birth control options are there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can think about monitoring your cycle, but that only works for people who have regular cycles that they can time and you know set the clock on, yeah. but that's not um, usually very feasible. Uh, I also do another podcast um, for the American Medical Women's Association mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, called uh, Diversity Dialogues. So we had a doctor on the other day. She is an OBGYN, Dr. Ashlesha Patel. She created a app or you know a platform called Reply. It's like R E P L I, mm-hmm. and the goal of this app, and I thought it was so good, was to allow, especially women our age to, and a little, and younger, to start having conversations with their doctors early. So based off what your goals are, do I want to have kids, but not right now? Do I never want to have kids? Um, You know, I'm trying to do this route versus this route. I had some kids before, I don't want any more. I have kids now, I want to have some, but not right now just all the different options and routes that you want to take that are right for you and starting to have those conversations um, with your doctor so that the app or the website allows you to like do kind of like a quiz about yourself, pick what your goals are, and then gives you pointers to aid in having a conversation with your doctor about what your needs are and so that you can guide them. Because when you think about it, you go to your ob and most of the time, it's just kind of a in and out, mm-hmm. literal yeah. <laughs> situation, right? Mm-hmm. They're just in there, they check, all right, you, you know, breast exam, you, everything, everything good, you need, you need any testing, you know, whatever, <laughs> that's it, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you really want to be having this, you know, you know stop your doctor. Yeah. Like, hey, so mm-hmm. I have a couple questions and, you know, I'm always encouraging people like, don't be afraid of the doctor. Like some, for some reason, um, black people and, you know, like Caribbean descent people, they, it's like a mixture of this, like excessive respect for the doctor that they're almost like fearful to question Mm -hmm. them. Right. And I'm like, no, you better (laughs) ask all the questions, go with your paper, write down everything you need so that you don't forget because these doctors, Okay, unfortunately, the way the system is set up, time is is hard to say. There are a lot of them that really want to sit down with you, with every one of you and just start going into details, but you can't all the time, but you are there. And if you make them, they can't be like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. I got to go. <laughs> you can't, yep, <laughs> right? Yep. Unless there's like a baby come in right now and she has to run. That's the only, <laughs> the only time, right? Yeah. And then even in that case, you can be like, I'll, I'll wait. You're still in, I'm still in my appointment. I can wait. Mm-hmm. So you want to ask the questions, like stop them, have, have the conversation, let them know what your concerns are. You know, hey, I'm, I'm getting, 
I'm this age and I'm not ready to have any children yet. What about freezing my eggs? You know, yeah. what about like, is that an option for me? Do you think, what are my eggs even healthy? Should we be testing and looking at how, what my egg count is? You know, just start yeah. having these conversations. Don't be afraid to ask. And, and, and from even simple things, you know, there's this odor, there's a, an itch, you know, a bump, a rash. I don't know what this is. Yeah. Ask, you know yeah. so yeah that's what I, I try to encourage you guys to do with with because of like me having like the fibroids and the surgery or whatever I think now I've been more intentional about having questions every time just to make sure that everything is okay like mm -hmm. and, and like you said I've because of where I'm my age and you know I'm like okay well now it's time to start having them conversation about like fertility so mm -hmm. I, you know, went to a fertility doctor so that I can ask all of these questions and get these tests done just to make sure that I'm like all good for when mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. time does come. So just being proactive about it. And the thing about the, the app I mentioned before is that, you know, you're kind of late, right? You should have been had this conversation yeah, yeah. when we, you know, we, even if we still said, hey, I'm not trying to have any kids till 33, 34. It doesn't matter, but we should have known what we what to expect. Over yes, I agree. Yeah. Then we we don't have these conversations yeah. often enough. Yeah. Nope. So and oftentimes this when it's too late. It's when it's like exactly. oh, I, I'm having trouble getting pregnant. What can I do right. now? Yeah. Versus, hey, I know, you know, I want to get pregnant in the future. What can yes. I do to make sure that I have a fighting chance of being able to do that? So right. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Even with the uh, the limited conversation with the OBGYN, I'm like, I'd be asking, I'd be having questions written down. I'd be me going too. like, all right. So <laughs> yeah, I look at my lab results too, like kind of question about this or yeah. whatever. But I used to not feel empowered to do that. You know, yeah. so often yeah. I felt like I'm going once a year. I barely know this doctor. This right. doctor barely know me. Take my blood, you know, take my urine sample and let's yeah. just be like done with it. So yeah. yeah, I think that that's, that's good to encourage people to ask those questions. Um, okay, so switching over to more about pregnancy, but kind of more of the um, the care side of it. What are your thoughts on having a doula during pregnancy? Those are becoming, I feel like, more and more popular. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested in like an OBGYN, a future OBGYN's uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, I think uh, I think doulas are great. Um, I think it's it depends on your goals, but I don't think it hurts to have a doula. So, you know, the doulas are there. You can have a doula pre-labor, during labor, after labor, because they can, you know, assist you with even breastfeeding and just like postpartum, you know, symptoms and dealing with your, you know, your body after pregnancy, right? But what I would encourage you to do is, you know, make sure you're establishing this relationship with your doula early, you know, in your pregnancy so that you can find the one that's right for you. Mm -hmm. Right. There's different styles, different approaches. So you want to make sure that your goals, the, the, the point of a doula is that your goals and your needs are honored and respected and your safety and the safety of your child is, is at top priority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so you want to establish that relationship early and you want to bring this person into the conversation with your doctor, right? Um, so if you're, if you're going to have a doctor or whoever's delivering, whatever your birth in plan is, you want to make sure this person is a part of this discussion from early on. So 
that your doctor knows that there's going to be a, a doula in the room and you, the doula and the doctor can establish a relationship. What are the protocols at this institution? What are the rules? What, you know, what's in place? What, what's happening? So during labor, the doula is usually there to help you, you know, comfort, pain management, um, help you to know what's going on because things can happen really fast mm -hmm. <laughs> in labor. Things can go really smoothly and or things can go bad really quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when I hear women that have like traumatic experiences during their labor, it's the part for them is not knowing what's happening because everybody starts moving so fast and mm -hmm. it's an emergency yeah. and you don't know. And it's the panic is, is bigger than what's going on, right? So your doula is there to help keep the communication lines open that they know what's going on and they can reassure you and help you, you know, even if it's not as bad as an emergency, just in general. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, um, and to advocate for you, right? As Black women, we know what this is like, you know, the, the dangers that go into giving birth and the in, especially during and after. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a, a stereotype that we don't experience as much pain, mm -hmm. um, you know, and where we are over-exaggerating our pain levels and that our symptoms, they don't believe us, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're, you know, having a doula there as well can, you know, advocate for you in that situation. Like, no, something is wrong and you guys need to check, you know, that's, that's part of it. So I think it's a great idea um, to have, just make sure that you're, you're starting early and, and, and incorporating them properly into the, the whole team that's going to be helping you with your delivery. Yeah, that's good. I might, yeah, I think I'm gonna do that. Yeah. yeah. My, sister, my sister had a doula and she liked, she loved her doula. She had her, you know, during pregnancy and then even some um, sessions after. So, yeah. I, I, and I have a friend who's training to be a doula right now too, because there's a need for black doulas in a lot of markets. So I was looking it up to myself. I was like, hmm, what's the, what's the certification time on this? Thing? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so you kind of, you know, touched on like us having black women having risks when delivering a baby. So like, what are the risks when delivering a baby? Yeah, when I, uh, I was like, man, this is a, a can of worms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here. But um, listen, I, I'll say this, like personally, as even, you know, when you're in the medical field, sometimes you can really develop a fear for certain things. Yeah. Pregnancy and delivery is one of my biggest fears. As much <laughs> as I'm planning to be an OBGYN, I don't really know if I want to <laughs> Same, same girl. But, <laughs> It's, it's crazy. scary. Okay. It's scary yeah. to, to think about stroke and stuff. I'm like, oh, I know so oh. many things. All kinds of things can go wrong. Okay, yeah. but listen, uh, the percentage. I wish I had the actual percentage, but it's it's really not like okay. You get in there, it's like 50 50 chance of you having you know, like just right. just relax and you know if you're pregnant out there listening, just relax and yeah. you know follow the plan. You know everything's gonna be okay. But there are, you know, there, it's a risk. I, I, I think about this, like bringing life thing is like, it's crazy. You're, women are, are you're risking your life for this. Crazy. So 
you know, it depends if you're having a normal pregnancy and then it's like you're in labor, there's a several things you can have um, a rest of labor. So that's when labor isn't progressing according to a certain algorithm that we have. Like you're supposed to be dilating a certain amount of centimeters per hour. And if so, to, so much time has passed and you're still stuck at one level of dilation, um, for too long, we're like, okay, this is a rest of labor, things aren't progressing, and that can lead to the fetus being in distress, whether they're not getting enough oxygen, because it depends on where they are in their descent down, mm-hmm. you know, they, they might be compressing the cord, um, they might be bleeding, um, and, you know, the low oxygen levels. So we're monitoring both the, the mom and the fetus at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So you're watching its heart rate, watching its oxygen levels. Um, you can have, and whenever they have to convert to like a C-section, it's usually something like that. There's an arrest mm-hmm. of labor mm-hmm. and the fetus is in distress, you know, not getting enough oxygen. That's one of the biggest things. It's like, let's just get it out right now. Yeah. Um, other than that, you can have, you know, the tearing, Um, A lot of people do a lot more now to prevent that. Um, A lot of people aren't really doing episiotomies just willy nilly. Um, Most times it's if you have a a larger baby, but then Mm -hmm. most doctors are going towards C-sections for larger babies now. Okay. So, um, so so the vagina stays intact. I was say because yes. episiotomy scared me, child. But I learned yeah. about those when I was younger. I was like, baby, don't cut me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and I mean, there's you know, they the doctors argue here and there about which one is whether to let you tear naturally or to just cut, and it's like easier to sew back together. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't. Well, let's not even go there. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So speaking of larger babies, you can have what they call shoulder dystocia, where mm-hmm. the shoulders are too big to get to pass through the pelvis, mm-hmm. so they get stuck there. Um, and then you can have uh, other more uh, serious things. So um, your or the fetus can be like in the wrong position. So the you you want your fetus to be head down and rotated a certain way. Mm-hmm. And they don't all want to do that. Some of them are trying to come foot first, arm first, uh, <laughs> arm oh and God. leg. And you're like, oh, hold on. You what? Know? That's yeah. crazy. But there are ways, there's maneuvers to like, they'll like literally grab the belly and try mm-hmm. to like oh. move them, like make, get them to move and rotate, you know? Okay. So there's, you know, there's different things. And then um, you have something called uh, placenta previa. That's when your placenta is supposed to be implanted like anywhere in the uterus except where the cervix is open in. Because um, your cervix now has to dilate for the, the fetus to come out. Mm-hmm. So if the placenta isn't attached too close to or sort of completely covering the cervix and there's different grades of placenta previa, then you, you can risk bleeding because the placenta is your blood supply to the uterus. Mm-hmm. So if it's dilating and now this thing is not properly attached until it needs to be detached, then you're losing blood supply to the mm-hmm. fetus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can cause both bleeding from the mom and from the fetus. Um, mm-hmm. And there's um, placental abruption where the placenta can literally just detach from the uterine wall way before it should. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you have no more blood supply and oxygen supply. Um, what else? You can have um, excessive bleeding after. Um, 
you can have your your hips literally your pelvic bone literally be too small or not shaped appropriately to birth a child through it <laughs> mm -hmm. right so then those are times when you're going to convert to a, a, a c-section and then one of the weirdest ones like uterine rupture this they usually worry about for women who've had a previous c-section because you you don't like open the cervix and take the baby out you cut in the wall of the uterus and open it up and take the baby out mm -hmm. so then that's a a stitched up tissue that probably healed with like fibrous tissue that's not mm -hmm. as strong as the original tissue yeah so when you've now gotten pregnant again the uterus has ballooned to sizes you know 100 times its size and then now you're you're having contractions and pressure it can potentially rip that tissue open and now the baby's going the opposite way into your body versus yeah. coming wow. out the other way that's Scary stuff. Okay. I know. <laughs> Child, let me get a surrogate. But but you prefaced it with it's not a 50-50. It's a, a smaller chance of the yeah. statistics. So lots of women who have like C-sections who have that fear of the rupture mm -hmm. do what they call V-back. So like after you've had a C-section, this time you've, you're doing a vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. They lots of women successful with that across the board all the time. Okay. So Good. it's just these are like. I wouldn't want to say all of these are rare, but they're not, you know, you're not in like immediate danger of these things just because you're pregnant. Yeah. Usually maybe other complications throughout your pregnancy that would let you know that you might be at risk for these things. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also like eclampsia, mm -hmm. which is when you can have a seizure mm -hmm. um, while pregnant. Preeclampsia um, leads up to that with high blood pressure and you have proteins, you're spilling proteins into your urine, they'll usually induce labor at that point yeah. to prevent you from getting eclampsia where you're going to have a, a neurological issue. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah my child. mom actually, she suffered from preeclampsia with mm. Ari. And yeah, I mean, then she had, you know, issues after now mm -hmm. having to have like a defibrillator to help with her heart because oh, she wow. yeah it was just a lot that went on yeah. with that there's a lot that women go through listen yeah yeah mm -mm. if you on good terms with your mama just tell her you love her for real <laughs> for real i'm like child let me call my mom after we right i'm life. about to i'll call her mom right after thank you for doing all that because i would not have done that for you I can't. <laughs> if the roles were reversed i can't <laughs> all right. so the final question that we have is you know more and more women are having kids later in life um, is the whole biological clock factor still a thing? Like, is there still like a prime age to try to get pregnant around? Or is it a matter of, look, have a relationship with your doctor and, and they'll let you know? Right. Yeah, the biological clock thing is is up for debate recently. Um, mm -hmm. Recently, I mean, in the last couple of years. So, you know, of course, back in the day, they came up with this whole biological clock that honestly scared the shit out of me when I first learned about it, because I was like, <laughs> 35 what do you mean <laughs> you know and of course I'm I'm quickly approaching 35 at this point and I'm still nowhere near ready to have kids right <laughs> but 
you know we're in an, an age of lots of career women right we're all we all went you know we lived, our parents told us to go to school and do what you need to do and we did it right yeah. <laughs> now, now what are you telling me I'm punished because I waited to have kids what do you what right. is this right right but the the biological clock thing really came from like people um assessing based off of the type of women that were coming in with fertility issues mm-hmm. um and they were a little bit older but it's they're realizing now that it's not so much about age um it's more so about overall health and your hormone what your hormones are doing okay. on a monthly basis right because um shoot one of my cousins just had a baby at 42 okay um, and her mom had her her last child at in her 40s, 42, 43. Mm-hmm. You know, we know of women that are doing it. Yeah. So it's just about continuing to keep your health up and continuing a conversation with your doctor and um, assessing what your specific story looks like, what your general health looks like. Uh, so yeah, the biological clock, it may not really still be a thing. But it's, it's about staying healthy, staying active, okay. you know, watching your diet. You know, these days I'm on a watching your diet kick, not as a diet to lose weight, but what's right for your body. What mm-hmm. doesn't, what, what are you eating that's making you bloated and you don't feel good and whatever, stop eating it, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what are you eating? That's, that's making you, you know, whatever it might be. I think that we all don't have to eat the same diet to me, right. you know, vegan is good. Plant-based is good, but it might not work for me. Maybe, you know, and, but if it's good for you, it's good for you, whatever. I think we all need to be more aware of what we're putting in our mouth and what it's, how our body feels and responds to that. Yeah. And in and in general, just trying to to stay active, keep your cardiovascular health up, because all of that really circles around to every part of your your health. How mm-hmm. you're gonna, um, you know, you do you get pregnant now, and if you weren't healthy, in a general sense, you're gonna have a difficult pregnancy. Yeah. As you know, you could be skinny versus larger. It you know it just depends. It, mm-hmm. it, you have to just know what's working and not working for you so that's that's my my new like focus for myself (laughs) good because it takes that pressure off because you know we we live in a like diet culture yeah you know and then the influencers you know social media people want to be perfect they want their body this way looking like this person and Mm -hmm. it's a lot it's a lot Mm -hmm. right we already have these white men trying to tell us what to do right on multiple levels because all of that too comes from that same kind of a mindset of mm-hmm. what's what's beautiful what's mm-hmm. acceptable yeah what's palatable mm-hmm. <laughs> okay leave me alone please. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay so those are all of our questions but we want to give you the opportunity if there's any projects or anything that you want to plug and promote like Feel free to do that now. Put people on to anything that you're doing. You want to big up? Yeah. So I mean, I've I've you know shamelessly plugged all this before in during the episode. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah I, I'm a part of two other podcasts. Um, 
the these two girls podcast you can find us on youtube and follow our social media on instagram these two girls so it's these the number two and girls with a u and we're on tiktok we're on facebook instagram all of that and i also host a more professional podcast um, <laughs> the amwas diversity dialogues and you can find that on wherever you listen to podcasts if you just type that in and that's more you know talking about issues of diversity and inclusion especially within the healthcare space so if you're interested in those kind of topics you know check me out yeah all right perfect thank you so much for being a guest we really appreciate having you all i'm honored as usual thank you (laughs) all right now moving over to our she did that segment For anybody who is a first-time listener to the show, this is just a portion where we highlight a woman who's out here doing it. So this week, we wanted to highlight Kay Jones. Kay Jones is the creator of She Orgasms. I know y'all like, what is that? I'm about to tell you. (laughs) It's a woman's sexual wellness brand that's committed to appreciating and celebrating women's natural born right to pleasure. I got introduced to She Orgasms through this herbal supplement, So this herbal supplement that they have, it's made with safe natural ingredients that enhance the overall female sexual experience. These supplements are crafted to be taken as a daily vitamin and they help women to become more focused during sex, feel wetter and climax harder by increasing sensitivity in their clitoral nerve endings, making them more successful, child came to talk, making them more susceptible <laughs> to achieving an orgasm. I sounded like how I did after I have an orgasm. Like I okay, can't even talk. <laughs> so, um, some of the ingredients in this supplement are ashwagandha, wild jam, damiana, and a ton of other herbs. You can read all about them on their website. But yes, I wanted to just talk up um, Kay Jones and she orgasms her company in general because I've been taking these supplements now for like I don't know three four years like since she came out with them yeah and I I like them because she now she has like a variety of products so she has the capsules which are great she also has a rum honey tincture so if you want to take that like I do it sublingually and I'll do it like an hour or two you know before I'm finna have sex and I just feel like it's just it's it enhances the experience right um so how does like, it feel like it does it it make you it just like I feel like it just makes you feel like super relaxed okay. it makes you um I know something that I used to struggle with with sex is that I wouldn't be like present um okay. a lot of the time like, I was overthinking I'm a I'm a big thinker in general so okay. that's not really like the most fun <laughs> during yeah, sex. Yeah. you're thinking about what's going on you're not really just like enjoying it, it. Mm-hmm. so I felt like they just helped me like feel more relaxed they helped me feel like more calm um they definitely help with uh, wetness too. That along with some uh, slippery um child, you got a whole water park um, <laughs> down there. Okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I also really like Kay Jones because besides like selling these supplements, she's also just really big on empowering Black women to enjoy sexual experiences. Yeah. So I know when I first started using the supplements, she had a section of her site that was like a blog and she would like write erotica or you could submit stories about like your sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. So she's just very like sex positive, very yeah. empowering. Um, and I just wanted to highlight her because I love her products. 
Uh, I don't know her in real life, but I feel like <laughs> if I did, we would get along because she just cool, <laughs> cool ass people. So definitely check out She Orgasm. But we just wanted to say shout out to UK. You out here, you've been doing it for years now, but mm-hmm. you continue to just expand your brand to educate people, to center Black women in their pleasure. And I think that that's just amazing. So yes. I wanted to give you that shout out, girl. <laughs> so um, now we'll move over to our loud lyrics segment. So my choice for this week is Kendrick Lamar's uh, The Heart Part 5 off Mm -hmm. of his new album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, he basically has like five perspectives. It's from um, OJ, from uh, Justice Mullet, uh, Kobe, Nip, and then who's the last person? Will Smith, wasn't it? Who? Oh, yes. Will Smith. Smith. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was Will Smith. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you know, we spoke about how Kendrick is just a genius. So like for him to even like think of like this concept to to do. And I know you don't like videos recently. I haven't seen it yet, but I plan to watch it. Watch it because it's Mm -hmm. like it is simple, but it's like, wow, (laughs) just wow is all I can say. So I want you to actually experience it for yourself. So I plan to watch um, it. Yeah. So that was the that's how I heard it first was I watched the video oh, um, yeah okay. when it dropped before I actually yeah Listen to so it, yeah again this whole that whole this whole album has just been like you know he's really opening up and like getting into like these like these topics that need to be talked about um like the one about um gender about his like yeah Yeah, auntie's diaries but that one is really controversial apparently a lot of um a lot of gay people are like he uses the f word slur in that song and so granted i think context matters so i'm somebody who does not use that word in life right Mm -hmm. but i also i understood that song to be like he was talking about his journey from being young and ignorant and homophobic and then having an aunt who transitioned and and also having a family member who was queer besides that aunt and learning how to like be like oh i need to be more inclusive in my language i need to like understand the fact that words can hurt people and he literally finishes the song by saying Yo, y'all think you could use it? Okay, let a white a white girl say nigga, and then you could use this then, right? But it's crazy because there's people who are really offended, but that he even said it. Just from that one, just the fact that he said it. That's interesting, but But like these people still support Doja Cat. I'm like Doja Cat said that joke, and it wasn't even artistic. She was just being rude and saying it, and even in her apology, she doubled down and said it again. And and said it again. Yeah. So everybody forgot that about Doja Cat, but. Child, people are entitled to their feelings. I just want to say that. True, so people could be true. upset that he used the word. Fine. But my thing is keep the same energy then for Doja Cat. Keep the same energy for Rick Ross because he was definitely on Meek Mill's album on a, a song saying that. Like mm. there's plenty of artists that use it. And I, I don't think it's okay. But yeah. I feel like in the context that Kendrick used it. Yeah. It like I understood it to understood. be talking same. about his ignorance and highlighting that. Same, so. same. That's how I, t- that's how I received it as well. It was never, I didn't take it as being, and you know, like offensive or whatever. Yeah. So like, again, people are entitled to their opinion. So, for but sure. that's my pick for this week, the heart part five. Yes. And then my pick for this week is heavy. So this is by taking the bangers and it's featuring the tones. So first of all, their album dropped the same day as Kendrick's. And I had okay. never listened to a full taking the bangers um album I but have, I have a I friend shout out to Bree if she's listening she's a really big fan of Tank and the Bangers and she's been telling me like listen you're gonna love them you're gonna love them yeah Girl, they're from New Orleans their album 
is so good. So similar to a vein as like how Kendrick was talking about like a lot of different like issues going on in the black community. Yeah. They're really like political with their music. And I didn't, I didn't know this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. So they discuss things like, um, you know, like healthy relationships. They discuss like suffering from anxiety or depression. They discuss, yeah. they even had a song that was so beautiful, like Cafe Du Monde. And it's just like talking about enjoying being in New Orleans and in love and something. So they have range across the whole album. But on this particular song, Heavy, what I like about it is that she's just saying, like the main singer, Tank, she's yeah. just saying like, yo, let's just be heavy on the communication, on the reciprocity, on the like loving one another. And like, let's be like light on the bullshit. Like, let's just focus on like, again, loving each other and, and enjoying this moment. Right. And then her voice. Oh, my it's God. It's so good. Yeah. Her voice is so like her range is wild. It is so wild. it just it sounds good because not only is she, like her voice beautiful, but she's talking about things and I'm like, yes, girl, like and she's like, I want that shit heavy. Like I just want heavy on all the positive feelings associated yeah. with love and being in a relationship. Yeah. So definitely check out Heavy by Tanking the Bangers. Um, but if you have time, check out their whole album because that was not the only song <laughs> that I, I loved. I found myself like, oh, okay, I like this one too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Um, I mm -hmm. didn't know that they're um they had a new album that dropped. Mm -hmm. Um, you should uh check out their Tiny Dust too. Yes, I plan to because oh, okay. I know they were on there and yeah. I had just never watched it because I didn't listen to them like that. But yeah. listening to this album, I'm like, I gotta absorb like everything right. they've ever put out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have like several um when the pandemic hit, they were doing you know a lot of like outdoor concerts mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So they got a lot of stuff. But That's yeah. Dope. All right, so if you have any questions or if you'd like to be a guest, feel free to slide in our DMs or shoot us an email at bluntrootspod at gmail.com. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We are at bluntrootspod on all of them. Thanks for listening to another episode. It's been real. Bye. Bye, y'all. I'm gonna listen to the